Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good afternoon, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Now, before we get into the show, we're going to take a moment to give respect, honor, and to remember those who died on a tragic day 15 years ago. On September the 11th, 2001, the world was witness to the worst example of humanity. But we were also witness to the incredible spirit of humanity. The people who challenged death and rose to the challenge, then incredible men and women of the City of New York Fire Department, Police Department, and emergency medical services. Along with the not-so-ordinary citizens who took action that day, 15 years later, we are still moved by their courage and selflessness. 15 years later, we are remembered, we just remember their sacrifice for those whom they didn't even know. 15 years later, we still hold them in our hearts as the hero that they are. And we will remember them in 15 more years and in 30 more years and on and on. This year marks the first year a majority of high school students will learn about 9-11 as a historical event without any regulation of the event itself since many were too young or hadn't even been born yet. But that shouldn't mean the example shown to us that day about tenacity and bravery should be lost to them. Never forget. Never forget. Never forget. September the 11th, 2001. Today, we're going to chat about Alpine, Texas. On September the 8th, a 14-year-old freshman female who has not yet been named shot another teenage uh, student, also a girl in the hallway. Now, the victim taken to a, was taken to the Big Bend Regional Medical Center with non-life-threatening injuries, and the shooter then turned the gun on herself in a school bathroom. Now, here is where things get a little weird. Okay, so a Homeland Security officer responding to the shooting was accidentally shot by a U.S. Marshal and was airlifted to a hospital in Odessa, Texas. Now, right now, he's actually in stable condition, and we're thankful for that. But according to the Alpine police chief, he says there were multiple agencies coming in without much information. And the first ones on the scene did not really know what was happening. Now, when will someone please tell Barney Fife all right, to holster his gun and read the manual? All right, so now I always get students in my class that will make statements like they will go out. They'll go out to their car and they'll get their gun. They'll come back in and take care of that shooter. Well, are you serious about that? Because you need to think about that. You know, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that's the best thing to do. First of all, if you if you can't carry there, then you can't use it there. Also, you need to run away from danger and not toward it. Now, in this situation, you have two law enforcement officers responding to a school shooting from different agencies. So let's let me bring into the conversation Aaron Janetti. 
uh, one of the owners and master instructors at Endeavor Defense and Fitness. Aaron has dedicated his life to training and teaching different aspects of self-defense and fitness. And in January 2008, Aaron was introduced to the system of Krav Maga and began training daily. He also began training in boxing, Muay Thai, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Later that year, a very good friend introduced him to CrossFit, and he hasn't looked back since. So let me welcome Aaron to Come and Talk. And Aaron, welcome to Come and Talk, sir. Wow, thanks for bringing me on, Michael. Outstanding. Uh, so, man, I tell you, that thing in Alpine, Texas is just, it's, 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 it's pretty uh, amazing there. You know, we, we have this situation where there's a school shooting, and you have, uh, you know, one female student shoots another female student and then turns a gun on herself. Mm-hmm. And then we have officers arriving at the scene. And, and, and like, I, like I said earlier, you know, I, I always hear people in class say, well, can I just, you know, is it okay for me to just go back? You know, if, if I'm a civilian that's there, is it okay for me as a civilian to go out to my car, get my gun and go back in that school and do that shooting? You know, we have laws, you know, that surround that, you know, legally, no, you cannot do that. And, you know, you really shouldn't do that because you don't want to put yourself in harm's way. And also when the police arrive the scene, they may confuse you with the shooter. Oh, yeah. So that's not the best thing to do. So, I mean, Aaron, you know, what's your take on this? Well, there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff coming out about this. And, you know, seeing as it was just three days ago, uh, just like with any of these instances and any of the active shooter, uh, you know, kind of scenarios, things on that. We're going to learn more and more and more as they kind of decipher through the facts, get all the stories, kind of shed some light on areas that make sense, don't make sense. And then, you know, let's, let's be realistic. It also comes down to they're probably going to brush a couple of things under the rug to make themselves not look as bad as the circumstances get. But we'll learn more about this a week, two weeks, three weeks down the road. But from what we can tell right now, there's a lot of interesting stuff that goes into this one specifically. Um, you know, the, the 14-year-old, the one victim, the first one that got shot, um, she stumbled upon the girl in the bathroom, so it doesn't look like there was, you know, we don't know exactly what the shooter's intentions were. Were they going to run into the band room, run into one of the school rooms and start shooting it up? You know, was she loading it to threaten whatever that was? You know, why did she end up turning the gun on herself after only shooting one person? She didn't know. There's a lot of crazy stuff into it. Um, then when you look at a lot of the reports that they also then had a local threat immediately after that shooting as reports started going out to the local university, um, that there was a bomb threat and, you know, don't mess with me. And so you have departments in an area that aren't used to responding to threats and crime at this manner and now being spread between um, two or possibly three different crime scenes. So a lot of crazy confusion, a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, just like you in our classes, you know, we teach firearms courses under the ICE banner uh, with Rob Pincus. We teach, you know, defensive courses. We travel to the U.S. and teach active shooters. And we get the same response you're getting, you know, oh, I would just go get my gun or, can I run out and get mine and then I take care of it? There's a lot of things that people don't legitimately consider when it comes to how fast these things happen, how shocking they are. Um, the true legitimate lack of training they probably have when it comes to actually fundamentally applying it to a, a legitimate defensive situation. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. So, you know, it's easy for us three days later to take two steps back and try to take some type of a, a view at it and educate people on it. Um, Man, this one's going to be interesting as it plays out. The biggest thing I want to find out is, you know, as I'm reading through these reports, what were they doing when, you know, the marshal, whether it was a negligent discharge or an accidental shooting where he confused the guy, you know, what did that look like? Were they clearing? Were they moving? What was going on there? Because they're still very, very lax today as well about the information that's coming out right now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that played out. But a lot of people don't understand just how confusing and chaotic situations are right because we don't we don't know we don't know if if the marshal's in uniform the 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 other federal agent was in uniform so we don't know any of those details at all right there's a lot of facts that we don't know just yet now you know you know imagine okay you're a u.s marshal and you get a call that you know there's a shooting they thought there was more than one shooter at the time even though they eventually you know which always happens um they eventually narrowed it down to know it was just the one girl and she had turned a gun on herself so he's responding to a crime scene. There's, you know, completely different department coming in. They're not used to working together. You know, they don't know each other's protocols, their movements, their commands, their call, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and now, again, yeah, like, we don't know if they were in uniform. So it could have been, you know, Department of Homeland Security agent, and everybody pictures the guy in the DHS jacket, you know, running in with his vest on. 
but it could have been that he was right down the road, got the call, threw into his car, maybe threw a vest on and ran in with a gun. Like, we have no idea. Right. Um, especially in an area that, you know, for lack of a better term, untested. They're not used to this type of violence. And they might have gone through some active shooter drills, you know, with local law enforcement departments, stuff like that. But I highly doubt uh, there was any coordinated efforts, you know, interdepartmental and, and different departments working with each other and working through schools. I highly doubt there was any of that in this area. And that becomes a big issue when you have different departments responding to a scene and how they're each going to go after that, especially on the federal level. Now, you, Aaron, uh, being one of the owners of the Endeavor Defense and Fitness, um, what do you tell people they should do when they're, you know, as as a civilian, uh, you're involved in a mass shooting, you're you're there, something's going on, it's happening right now. What should the things that what are some of the things that you should do? Well, the first thing that we go and, you know, again, we're, we this is what we do. Like we teach civilian response. Um, you know, we travel around and teach how to deal with active shooter situations from from all perspectives. And a lot of people want to rely on a tool, right? So they want to rely on their gun or the, the situation. Or to be completely honest, a mass majority of the public wants to rely on law enforcement. Um, one of the things, the first thing that we teach people as we're going out and doing these active shooter courses is that, honestly, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, this stuff's going to be over in anywhere from five to ten minutes, and local law enforcement response is going to be that fast. So it's actually on them. So stage one, they have to accept the fact that they're responsible for their own survivability. End of story. Um, you can't twist it anyway. You can't spin it anyway. You can't create any type of an excuse, um, you know, be it psychological or physical. At the end of the day, you're responsible for your own safety 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So that's one of the biggest things that right out of the gate we have to get people to understand. Now, after that, what do I do is really going to depend on thousands of variables. Um, when we go out and we teach these courses, what we're trying to show people is their potential. What are the, the best options depending on the skills that you already have and the information that you're able to process in the moment? So, you know, if somebody walks into a cafeteria in a school and starts shooting, the way you perceive that threat the way you perceive what makes the most sense for you to do in action is going to be completely different from the 10 or 20 people that are right in the doorway where the gunman entered and the hundreds of people as we get further and further and further away from that gunman, you know, where are the doors, what is their background psychologically, all of that. When we go out, we teach people from stage one how to deal with it from an unarmed perspective because that's the only thing you can guarantee 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 is that you'll have your body. Now, if I'm in a place where I do have my firearm, we'll talk about the pros and cons of implementing that, and to be honest, the realities of implementing those scenarios. So it really comes down to, you know, evading. If I can get away, you know, rule number one is to survive. That's it. It's not to be a hero and run three buildings over to find the gunman and be that guy. It's to survive. So, you know, get yourself out, get the people you're accountable for out. So if I'm out with my wife or my child or anything along those lines, so rule number one, you know, if you can evade, you evade. You get completely clear and make as much distance between you and whatever the perceived threat is possible. Um, if they're right on top of me or if I don't have a clear entrance to get out of the building or to get to somewhere that I perceive is safe, then you can talk about, you know, concealment cover and barricade, the different aspects of keeping yourself out of view, you know, getting behind something that can stop bullets if it's a shooter uh, case specifically. And then the idea of, you know, I create a barricade where I'm doing as much as I can to get the bad guy or to keep the bad guy from getting to me. Uh, and then the last piece of the puzzle comes into actually understanding what you may have to do in a response situation. So if I stumble upon the gunman, like it, it sounds like the girl accidentally stumbled upon her in the bathroom. It doesn't sound like, you know, the shooter went around looking for somebody. It looks like it sounds like she was loading the weapon, you know, tinkering around with it in the bathroom, whatever it was, and, and one very unfortunate 14-year-old stumbled upon that scene and ended up getting shot, you know, in the lower back. But if I am that person in that room or if I did barricade or go into lockdown, whatever my procedures were, and they defeat my lockdown, you know, what now? So then we teach people how to get hands-on, uh, what that looks like from an unarmed perspective, what that looks like from an improvised weapons perspective, and then the possibility of maybe implementing you know, some type of self-defense tool, you know, be it a blade that you carry, a tactical knife, a flashlight, or, you know, a firearm. Um, you know, and then one of the biggest things that we actually go into, honestly, is immediate casualty care. So we teach people how to blood gunshot wounds, you know, what to do with, you know, improvised force materials and creating pressure dressings, all that. 
All right, we're talking with Aaron Gennetti. He's one of the owners of Endeavor Defense and Fitness, and we're talking about how do you survive a mass shooting. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talkin'. This is Doug DuBois, Jr., Executive Director of the Texas State Rifle Association. You're listening to Michael Cargill and Come and Talk It Radio. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, we're talking with Aaron Gennetti, and he's one of the owners of Endeavor Defense and Fitness. And Aaron was breaking it down for us. He's talking about how to survive a mass shooting. So go ahead, Aaron, because you were giving us some good information there. Yeah, the, the, the real crunch of it is there's essentially three main options you're going to have to look at, and that's get away from the bad guys absolutely as soon as possible if you can do something to keep the bad guy away from you and then you've got to understand what the actual responses are if you can't keep the guy away or you know get yourself out of that area or keep them back um, which is going to be getting hands-on you know depending on what tools you have using them and then also you know immediate casualty care getting in there plugging gunshot wounds trying to buy some time until ems can get cleared onto the scene so that's really what it boils down to and how you go about that's going to depend on where you're at what you perceived you know where you were when you figured out what it was, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's going to change for everybody. Yeah, because I like to show different videos, different scenarios, you know, in our classes. And we do that, you know, always get someone, you know, especially in the middle of the class, they love to say, well, you know, we show this particular video and they'll say, I'll just shoot the tires out or I'll do this or I'll do that. (laughs) And I, you know, my immediate response is, okay, we'll find out when you get to the gun range. Right. <laughs> and, then, no and, and then things change. You know, we get to the gun range, there are gun malfunctions, they haven't cleaned it in forever, so it jams, you know, uh, or uh, you just, you'd be surprised the different things. Well, you know the different things that oh, people yeah, do at the gun range. Me, I know, man, <laughs> so yeah. I, don't, I don't even have to tell you. You know these yeah. things. So well, it's even worse when we do a lot of like force on force training where we'll use, you know, whether it's SIMs or UTMs, and, you know, we do very, very safe versions of it. But when we put people in live scenarios for, you know, shoot, don't shoot, figure out what's going on. I mean, they just they just shut down. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, what they, are you looking they, at? They're looking at the hard. gun? Why are you looking at the gun? Come yeah. on. Yeah, correct it's the malfunction. Let's man. go. Move, move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Oh, just insane. All right. That, yeah, that, that's a lot of good information. I'm, I'm glad you actually broke that down into different little steps there because those, those are things that people need to know how to survive. Yeah. What should I do? Because that gun is not going to be the first thing you go for. You know, yeah. honestly, that's your, that's your last option, and you may not even have a gun on you. Right. <laughs> and, and most people, not everyone carries every single day. Just because someone has a handgun license doesn't mean that they actually carry. It uh, doesn't mean they're actually proficient, you know. Uh, so, there, I mean, there are a lot of, lot of little things to, to think about in those situations. Well, I think the biggest one, and you mentioned it, and we mentioned it in all of our classes, is that all responding law enforcement, they're getting, you know, one or two, you know, shooters, and they're looking for somebody with a gun. And right. if you're the guy with the gun or the girl with the gun, when they show up, you're in a bad place. And a lot of people don't understand that. If I come kicking the door in and you're the dude pointing a gun and a group of people are down and I make that mistake and actually take you down, I mean, nobody can blame me for that. You know, so it's, there's a lot that people really, really, really don't think about when it comes to legitimately pulling off that I would just use my gun and kill that guy thing. And then you take this situation here in Alpine, Texas, where the shoot mm-hmm. is a female now. So now... You're going to have law enforcement agencies now saying, hey, you need to start thinking about, you know, it could be a female shooter as well. Right. So they're going to start adjusting their training as well as we go about this. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, if there's one thing that we've learned is that, yeah, there's high percentages where you can look at, okay, there's a couple of common trends in this whole mass violence aspect. But at the end of the day, there's really no quote-unquote faith to it. You know, there's no exact motive. You know, it can be religious. It can be kind of the woe is me. I was treated poorly. I'm going to get revenge. Um, it can be just somebody snapping. Uh, it can be male. It can be female. You know, 95% of the time, sure, it's male. But if you're willing to bank on 5% at not and just completely avoid the female side of things, you're going to put yourself in a bad spot. So, Yeah, well, I mean, 
if you look at it, the three jihadi females that were trying to blow up Notre Dame that just got popped this last week. I mean, there are women out there that are, you know, a threat. And if you don't take them into account, then, yeah, you're being foolish. I agree. No, absolutely. And, you know, if if you don't think that the people that are learning from this are figuring out that there are common trends, the things we're looking for, and then exploiting those common trends, then, again, you're, you're putting yourself two legs behind with that one. And then, and people don't do anything until something happens, a tragedy. And right. then they start thinking about, well, maybe I should, um, you know, do this or do that. And, and that's when they really start, you know, really taking things serious. We need right. to be a little more proactive, you know, you know, in our, in our self-protection. Just don't wait until something bad happens. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're a prime example of that. Like, we've been teaching these courses since about 2009 in some form or fashion, along with a couple other people. And I can tell you right now that ever since the, you know, Vatican attacks in Paris uh, and San Bernardino in December, I've taught four times more courses in that nine-month span leading up until right now than I have since 2009 leading up to that point. So it, it took this massive, just mass casualty for people to go, oh, crap, I guess I should go talk about this or learn something about it. And, you know, what's even kind of disheartening for us is right after San Bernardino happened, you know, we received probably about 75 inquiries for our course. And out of those 75, 11 actually came through and put seminars on. Mm. You know, that, like, we're, and we do this stuff dirt cheap, man. Like, we're just trying to get the information out there. And, you know, people, again, they'll go, oh, my God, I need to do this. And then when a push comes to shove and go, hey. We can come out there. We can get this done. This is all we need to make sure that, you know, we at least get fed and can cover our travel. And uh, you'd be surprised how many people go like, eh, you know what, a second thought. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, which essentially is nothing, which people really need to get kind of out in front of it, be proactive, start having the conversation, start working. And that's just, that's the same thing um, kind of with us. When we give like a, a handgun license course, we, we don't do it for – uh, like you guys for, you know, corporations or businesses or things like that nature uh, for individuals, they'll go through the whole course and then they won't even turn into paperwork. They won't follow through. Yeah. So once you, you know, you do get them to class, then once they get there, they don't turn the paperwork to actually get the license and, and do all that. And then I've had people because the certificate is only good for two years. I've had people at, you know, three years later say, oh, I got to come back and do it again because I never did do everything the first time. That's just, you yep. know, idiot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, it, all, it, that's all you can say. <laughs> it, it's, it's just kind of the way it is, man. It's one of those things where I will say that, you know, as unfortunate it is since, you know, that big kind of shock and awe with San Bernardino and then again, obviously, in Orlando with Paul. Um, I will say that we've gotten into groups and demographics that I don't think would have ever pursued any type of self-defense training. So I can say that we are able to get our foot in places that before we would have never been able to get into and help these people. So that's at least one good thing that's coming out of it. But again, you still see that common trend of, you know, oh my God, I want to go do this. You know, I should do something about it and then not actually following through. And one thing I do want to say, like we, all of the courses that we teach are geared towards the individual. There's plenty of people out there that can teach businesses and things like that to go in and and figure out business models. But we go out, I mean, we run courses open straight to the public. Um, I don't care if you've ever thrown a punch before, ever touched a gun before, nothing. And our goal is to get out, teach people as individuals, you know, how to respond to these circumstances, which is a little bit different than what most people do. Um, you know, myself, a gentleman by the name of Ryan Hoover out of Charlotte, and then, you know, Rob Pinkett with ICE. Um, you know, it's, our companies are going around and we're going after those people, the individual, the end user, the person that's going to be boots on the ground when this stuff actually happens. Um, and it's, it, We've seen some very, very positive outlook from it and some great feedback. Um, but you're always going to get that, you know, it's essentially the New Year's resolution trend where you have all these great, like, I'm going to go do this, and then they don't actually do it. Well, let me ask you this. I've uh, I've talked with several instructors and several people like that because I'm in a gun group, Lone Star Gun yeah. Rights. And I did a shooting course a couple weeks ago. And before that, I had never carried around in the chamber. But since I did that shooting, uh, it was a live shoot, no shoot scenario thing. And uh, since then, I've carried in the chamber. You know, there's always one there ready because I've realized that extra split second is very critical. And what happens if I screw up and my hand slips off the slide and I don't rack it right? 
you right. know, all those all those reasons. So what do you advocate for? Do you prefer one in the chamber or none at all and you have to rock it? Here's what I'm going to say. Um, you know, and again, this is where we kind of take position. Whatever you're going to do, you know, first and foremost, whatever you're going to do, you better train it. You better train it good. You better train it realistically. So whether that's going to be carrying appendix, carrying four o'clock, you know, carrying hot, carrying cold, whatever that is, you better train it. You better train it realistically. Now, that being said, when you're talking about defensive shooting or the aspect that I might actually have to protect myself, my family, my loved one, you know, my business, whatever it is, I want to look at the most efficient approach to being able to do that. And if I'm going to carry a firearm and I don't trust the gear that I have to be able to safely carry that with a chamber in it, then maybe I need to look at the gear that I have. You know, maybe I need to look at the holster. If I don't trust the holster for some reason, then I'm going to accidentally shoot myself and have a negligent discharge. Um, and that's why I don't want to carry hot. Then I should probably either get on the range more and feel more comfortable about me being able to perform that. Or I need to look into my gear. Like if you're carrying around a, a, a Versa carry with no, you know, trigger guard in any way, shape, or form, then yeah, carrying around hot probably isn't a smart idea. But if I'm going to be a defensive shooter and I'm going out there to learn to protect my family, I want every millisecond that I can get in that instant, and I want to be able to be an efficient person that doesn't have extra operations under adrenal stress and shock and confusion and chaos. So I want to be able to grab my gun out of the holster. I want to be able to pick it up, and I want to be able to pull the trigger and shoot if I need to pull the trigger and shoot without having to defeat a safety, without having to rack a slide, without having to mess with any other implements that I don't have. So you should be able to pick that gun up hot, shoot it nice and quick, and not worry about any extra additional procedures. And if you can learn to do that in a safe manner and carry the right gear that keeps the gun protected, then there's no reason you can't carry hot. There's just no reason. I'd, so, like to, I'd like to add to that, too. feel comfortable carrying hot, I, I legitimately think they either just need to get on the range a little bit more to get comfortable with the firearm, or they need to reevaluate maybe the gear that they have uh, and the way that it's operating. There's another way to get people comfortable carrying w- with, a, with a round in the chamber, too. Uh, a lot of people are afraid that, you know, either drawing the gun or something like that, they're going to, you know, have a, have a round accidentally go off or something. But what you can do is you can actually carry with the gun cocked with no round in it. Just carry it around like that for a while. You know what I'm saying, and then that way you'll 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 start to trust your firearm more, knowing that it's not just going to accidentally go off. If that makes sense, it's a psychological. Yeah, I, yeah, thing. I get what you're saying. Um, you know, because it, some people just need to it, need to learn to trust their firearm more. They need to they need to trust that they can handle it without making it go off accidentally. You know, so I say the way to do yeah. that is don't put around in the chamber. Carry it with it cocked, and then you'll you'll start to trust it more. Yeah, and I, and I see where you're going with that, and that's a little drill they can do out. But I, my argument would still be with that, that if you don't feel comfortable carrying that firearm, then, don't then legitimately, <laughs> if you really evaluate yourself, you shouldn't be carrying that in public, period, until you get on the range more, get comfortable with it, knowing that it's not going to go off, and then earn that comfort to then go carry out in public. And again, that's just going to come through training, and whether it's through various drills that, that people want to do, you know, like you're saying, carrying a cock with that one in there and just proving that you're not, you know, getting the hammer to flip, you know, all that stuff's great. But if I need to do that drill, I want to do it under regulation in training. I don't want to do that walking around town with my firearm. Because if I don't feel comfortable with that gun out in public, what is the likelihood that I'm going to be able to operate that gun under adrenal stress while somebody is trying to stab me, shoot me, kill me, right? You know what I mean? That well, was, that's my stance on it. With everything, if you're not with comfortable everything, with that gun, then you're not going to be comfortable under stress. It takes time, though. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely takes time. And that's why, you know, we're such advocates for just training. Training, training, training. Get comfortable with whatever you're going to do. Don't rely on one thing at all. You know, my the majority of what I do is unarmed defense, not because I think that unarmed defense is the best thing in the world, but it's the only way that you can legitimately get comfortable and know that the tools you have in this instance unarmed your body are always going to be there with you. And then I start to train more with a firearm, and I start to train more with a knife. I'm going to carry a knife and a flashlight and all that kind of fun stuff. But at the end of the day, if I can get comfortable with how I operate physically and then start implementing tools, get comfortable with those tools, now I understand true survivability and true self-defense, you know, when you're talking about an ambush or, you know, anything along those lines. But if I'm just buying a gun, I'm going out, I'm going to take a 12-hour, you know, NRA basic pistol course and then go get my CCW, I'm not really, if we're being honest, prepared to handle true violence. You know what I mean? And, again, you're, you're absolutely right. It takes a little bit of time, 
but I don't believe that teaching people how to survive violence takes that much time right out of the gate. You know, I just posted an article. I make the joke all the time where sometimes you need to be a scalpel and sometimes you need to be a jackhammer. And in 99% of defensive situations, it's the jackhammer solution. I need to be able to make a decision, make it as quickly as possible, and execute it very aggressively. That's going to get me out of 99% of plausible defensive scenarios. When we start relying on tools, now we're getting into kind of that scalpel territory. I need time. I need training. I need technical proficiency. And I think you can play with that gap with firearms, with good defensive firearms training. But again, back to the stage we're talking about, if you're not comfortable carrying that firearm hot, whether it's through gear, whether it's through, you know, uh, psychological competency, then you need to get in the range. You need to get comfortable with that gun and earn that ability to go out and carry it and then be able to use it in defensive situations. All right, cool, man. I tell you what, thank you, Aaron. Really appreciate you coming on the show today and breaking all that stuff down for us. Uh, I enjoy hearing from other instructors around the country, and I'm glad we got a chance to introduce uh, the people here in Austin, Texas, to Endeavor Defense and Fitness. So definitely check out their website. It's Endeavor Defense and Fitness. Um, check them out. Got a lot of good things. I think the website. Well, hey, Aaron, tell us what your direct website is actually. Yeah, for sure. Um, you can actually find us at Endeavor DCF, as in like dog, cat, fish. <laughs> um, so it stands for Defense and CrossFit um, dot com. So E N D E A V O R D C F dot com. You can find us on Facebook at Endeavor DCF. Um, you can find my uh, my pro page for teaching at Janetti Aaron. That's J A N N E P T I A A R O N at Facebook. Um, we've got a bunch of videos out, a bunch of other resources that people can get. Um, and then we'll actually, I believe I'll be in Texas uh, early next year teaching a couple courses down there. So it should be a good time. Nice. You definitely got to come on back, come back on the air uh, before yep. you head to Texas and let us know so people can, you know, see if they can get signed up for some of those classes. Absolutely, Michael. I'd appreciate it. And I'll definitely reach out before I get down there. All right. Thank you, Aaron. Really appreciate it. And that's Aaron Gennetti, uh, one of the owners of Endeavor Defense and Fitness. Thank you, sir. You have a wonderful rest of your weekend. You as well, brother. Take care. You guys be good. All right, we'll do. Bye-bye. All right, and we're now we're going to change gears just a little bit. We're going to now switch over. We're going to talk about this video. There's a video that's out there online. It's gotten a lot of attention. We've gotten a lot of hits on it on our Facebook page. We come back from the break. We're going to talk about that. Our call-in number is 512-643-LIVE. That's 512-643-5483. Come and talk it. This is Michael Cargill. And you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. We're talking all things firearms. Now, here's Michael Cargill. Now it's time for GGN, Global Gun News. Global Gun News, sponsored by Central Texas Gunworks, the largest online gun store in Texas. In the news, a 20-year-old man has been charged with murder and attempted murder in Wichita, Texas. Last week, two young women were attacked in an alleyway on their way home from school. The two girls were walking together when they were approached by a deeply disturbed man who admitted to planning on attacking them earlier. About 3.30 uh, this afternoon, we received a 911 call in reference to possible shots fired in the alleyway of the 5100 block of Kingston. When officers arrived on scene, they located two victims, uh, females. I do not know the age, I do not know their names, and I do not know their current condition. He used a rifle that he stole from his stepfather. Terribly, he killed one of the two and injured the other. Thankfully, the injured girl made a recovery and is in stable condition. A tip came in on Sunday of a suspicious person, which eventually led the arrest of the killer. A 20-year-old man who apparently knew one of the girls and had had a fascination with her. He also told police that he had planned the killing with the devil. The charges for the suspect include murder, aggravated assault, and possession of a prohibited weapon. The community showed support for the families affected. A local Sam's Club held a cookout to benefit the GoFundMe page for the family of the girl who was killed. And many gathered to mourn the loss of the girl 
who people describe in a very positive light. Chicago's deadliest month in two decades. I don't think it's an exaggeration. It's certainly not a mischaracterization. I grew up in this community. I was a kid here. I became a prime reporter for the Chicago Tribune. So I've seen it from the inside out, from the outside in. And I think that to say that, you know, to, to live in a community where there is the constant threat of gunfire, to hear it blocks away or to see it on your own block, to know that there, to see bodies and to see the blood or the shell casings, that is everyday life in the city of Chicago. It is not an exaggeration. I know that it doesn't make politicians feel good. It doesn't sell the city. It's not uh, good PR, but it's the reality for many children for, and who live in these kind of neighborhoods that are under siege. Since last week's report of Dwayne Wade's cousin being accidentally killed in his hometown, the city has only received more violence throughout its south and west sides. So far in the past nine months, the death toll has risen to up to 500 homicides in our third largest city. Compare that to last year, which was at 491 for the entire year. So far, this is more killings than New York and L.A. combined. Last month specifically was recorded as Chicago's deadliest month in at least 20 years, with a total body count of 86. The last time that the homicide rate was that high in Chicago was October of 1997, when it was 79 people shot dead. The numbers get much more enlightening when you just talk about people who were injured. For example, this year in August, 400 people have been injured during shootings, with 2,800 people shot in the year so far. Of course, much of this violence is due to gang activity, which many civilians being thrown into the mix. But police have also commented that some disputes amongst gangbangers are taking place on social media, then escalating to street violence. How ridiculous is that? Regardless of the way in which it escalates, the violence problem for the people in the inner city is unfortunately more of what they have already been forced to grow accustomed to. Police response in Orlando accused of being negligent. After the shootings in Orlando, the police department received numerous complaints about the prolonged delay after the shooting started to when the building was breached. Questions were posed about the choice not to immediately enter the scene and engage the shooter, which is more or less the protocol for departments across the country. Of course, the entire attack itself took about three hours before police entered the building, and despite being on scene after the call in less than five minutes. You know, the SWAT team can go bust down a door on a drug dealer's house, but when there's a chance that there may be that one of them could actually get shot, then they stand around outside plotting on, well, how's the best way to handle this? Let's talk to this guy, you know. Recently, about nine call recordings were released out of the hundreds of 911 calls made that day that still remain hidden from public records. None of these calls came from the victims trapped inside the club at the time. Much of the justification for the time delay was due to the claim that the suspicion that he had explosive devices with him and that you would be risking officers and everyone else's lives with little chance of positive outcome. Which makes sense, unless you look at the reports for the event itself. While some describe it as late as 30 minutes into the call, because of these conflicting reports, it's difficult to tell when this turned from a mass shooting incident to a hostage negotiation. The police department's public information officer advised the chief of police to not let the officers be interviewed by the media for the fear that the answers they might give may be misinterpreted. Stephen Barnett, an ex-Marine in Georgia, sent emails to the Orlando police complaining of the general response. Ever since Columbine, the need for training of first responders and civilians has been more and more useful. But as different events take place, the mentality and procedures will change. Self-defense shooting in Georgia. A Georgian man was forced to defend himself and a woman from a stalking ex-boyfriend. Brian Kim and Julia Brooks had just left from Kim's home. Shortly after Brooks received a message from a security application on her phone alerting her of a possible intruder outside the house. 
When they turned back around and arrived at the home, they were approached by a man coming from the corner of the house. Brooks said she knew who it was as soon as she saw him, a stalking ex-boyfriend who had followed her even after she had moved to another state to escape him. They also noticed that the stalker had a gun, and he moved toward them in a threatening manner. Thankfully, he wasn't the only one carrying. Kim pulled out his own firearm, and they exchanged gunfire. After a few shots had been fired back and forth, the only person who was shot was the attacker. Kim and Brooks were both unhurt. The attacker was pronounced dead on the scene by the coroner, and no charges have been brought on Kim for his actions. Kim and Brooks both declined to be interviewed by the media about the event. And that is your Global Gun News Report for this week of September 2016. All right, so now we're going to change gears a little bit. We're going to talk about this video. There's a lot of talk about a video that came out by a group in in, in North uh, Texas. And it, there's been, you know, I guess people, mostly people in the pro-Second Amendment community actually like the video. Um, and, of course, the people in the uh, gun-free UT, uh, you know, crying racism and everything else about this video. So we're going to listen to just a little bit of it right now before we go to a hard break. So uh, let's let's listen to this video. Mike, this afternoon there was a big gun-free UT rally here on the West Mall. The thing is, we're not going to be able to completely show you what this rally was like because a lot of it we can't show on television. Sex toys were everywhere. Take a look. Armed with reason, no campus carry. These were some of the more G-rated signs at Wednesday's gun-free UT rally. A great number. Oh my God, did you see it's on TV today? Oh, thanks. I hope my hair looked okay. I can't wait. We're going to go viral. Like, I might get to meet Shannon Watts. Can you believe that? Shannon Watts. something else sex toys we're just fighting the absurdity with absurdity and we're just trying to point out how crazy it is here's some being handed out boxes and no we can't show you the actual sex toys on television the objects are stigmatized and so we were trying to fight like this makes you Okay, so that yeah, that's a little short little movie that was put together by a group in in North Texas, and basically what happens is you have this young lady who's sitting in their, in their living room and she's watching the news reports about the uh, Coxnot Glocks protest at the University of Texas campus, and while she's sitting there watching the news, uh, a burglar actually breaks into her home, and she immediately goes and grabs the big huge black dildo. And use it, you know, the attempt to use that as a weapon to defend herself and ends up getting shoot in the head. So and a lot of people are upset by that. They're saying, oh, my goodness, that's a little over the top, it's, you know, a bit much, whatever, da, da, da. But you know what? You know, that's we're fighting absurdity with absurdity. Right. That's what they said. <laughs> they, <laughs> throw it back in your face. Right? Exactly. So I, I don't know it's just it's, it's just crazy. So I um, enjoyed the video. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it, it 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 was something else, and and yeah. So we'll yeah we it it. I tell you, that's a it's a crazy video. I I don't I don't have much to say about it. What do you think about it, Justin? I thought it was pretty funny. You know, like you know, at the end of the day, their opinions really don't matter because they're 
it ain't like it's going to make them even more against guns than they already are. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's funny. And it, sh- it shows how just how crazy, you know, the whole idea of it is, you know. Uh, you have the, the situation with... Uh, yeah, but I'm sure it goes right over their head. And we come back from the hard break. We're going to talk about Haruka Weiser, who was actually um, sexually assaulted and murdered on the UT campus. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. Okay, we're back and we're talking about the short film, Never Met Her. It's a short film that we just played for you. You can also find it on our Facebook page, Come and Talk It. And take a look at that and see what that's all about. And we brought the guys that, you know, one of the guys that actually put this short film together, Brett Sanders. Uh, Brett Sanders, welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. Uh, thanks thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Outstanding, yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, people on the 2A side, you know, kind of like this video. They, well, they don't have any qualms against the video and then or the short film, but then people are in, in the gun-free UT and Cox.Glock movement, you know, don't like the, the, the short film at all. And I, I hear there could be a sequel. So first, <laughs> let, let me ask you this. How did you come up with the idea of putting this uh, short film together? Well, well, to be honest, I actually didn't come up with the idea. The, the protesters down in Austin came up with their idea that it would be a great idea to carry sex toys instead of pistols. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, let's, let's go ahead and just take their idea and we'll play it out on the big screen on YouTube and uh, we'll let the public decide on, uh, you know, what the best course of action is to protect your life. Do you want to be armed with a sex toy or do you want to be armed with a pistol and be on the same, you know, playing field as, as the, the common criminal? Okay, and, so this uh, is... We so, all know how that played out. So this is the idea of, of really, of Cox, not Glock. So you're just letting it all play out in reality and see, and see what it, you know, what... How would it all work out? That's exactly right. They say they want to be armed themselves with uh, with dildos, and I say go ahead and and see how that will work out for you. I will give you a glimpse into reality, and uh, apparently that glimpse into reality was very threatening, uncomfortable, and it made them fear for their lives. Which <laughs> you know, in all all actuality, it should, and um, you know, not because we are a direct threat as gun owners, but there is a actual criminal violent threat on the streets that roam the streets every day that they should fear and they should protect themselves from but they're apparently just detached from that idea and so um, my film rattled their 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 cause rattled their ideas and uh, made them actually fearful which which i think we accomplished our goal by by portraying their ideas in real life yeah and then uh let's let's talk a little bit about haruka weiser who was a, a young lady uh, that was a dancer on the University of Texas campus who was actually sexually assaulted and murdered on the campus this year. Now, for some reason, they don't like us bringing up that, you know, bringing her name up for some reason. I don't know why. By a homeless guy, not another UT student. Make that, that's a big fact right there. Not another UT student. Yeah. This was a guy just roaming UT campus. And there's a statement from the parents, because you know, they keep referring to this statement, where the parents say, you know, don't bring her name into this, this conversation. Well, we're not really bringing her name into the conversation, you know, in that way. We're just, you know, telling people the facts of actually what had happened. Now, the parent's statement actually says this, and this is f- from the parents. Although Haruka loved to perform on stage, she never sought the spotlight in her daily life. Perhaps the last thing she would want is to be the poster child for any cause. And yet, as we struggle to understand why she was killed, if her death can somehow make it safer for a young woman to walk home, if it will prevent another assault or murder, then at least we could find some meaning behind an otherwise senseless and tragic death. To her friends, the many of students at UT and at her high school in all the dance programs in which she participated, we are united in prayer for Haruka and for each other. No parent, brother, sister, or friend should have to face this kind of sadness, this kind of loss. 
So I don't see anything in that statement that says, you know, you know, please do not bring her name up in this into this conversation. Mm. And then and, and, and a lot of people are, are Brett are saying about your your video. They're saying, well, your video is racist. And, and I don't see that because, you know, I'm kind of looking at it in the sense of Haruka Weiser, uh, where not that she could carry a gun because she was 18 years old. She couldn't even buy a gun. So we're not talking about that. But, you know, even though it would be legal for her to have a handgun, you know, inside her apartment or something like that if she lived off campus. But we're not talking about a gun at all. We're just talking about, you know, situation awareness, being able to protect yourself or whatever. But in a situation like that, um, it, with your video, it, it kind of was the same thing. The same person, the person that killed her happened to be a black male. So I don't see anything racist about the video uh, at all. Yeah, honestly, we didn't put a whole lot of thought or or casting into the perpetrator being black. I mean, a lot has been made about that. They're trying to paint me as a racist or that I'm playing into stereotypes or whatnot. But the fact is, Eric July just happened to be uh, in my close friend network, and uh, you know, we were talking about making this film. He he was interested in in doing some acting, and so you know, we invited him to do the acting. And he was happy to play the part, and so um, you know. It, it, you can throw race out the window. Uh, at the end of the day, this is a this is a self-preservation argument. And you know, if you want to preserve your life with a rubber sex toy, be my guest. But I'm telling you that that is a dangerous proposition. And you know, you can leave it there. But the minute that you and your friends uh, decide to get together and conspire to lobby against my right to, to defend my life. That's where I have a problem. That's where I draw the line. That's where I will start fighting back. And so right now, I'm fighting back in this propaganda war. I'm creating media, articles, blog posts, uh, social media posts, Twitter on Twitter. I am fighting back any way I can that is completely peaceful, and we're debating ideas at this point. And so um, making a violent-type film that is based really on reality that shows what happens when you choose to be disarmed against a armed criminal populace, you will, you will, you know, lose your life. I mean, it's just, there's, you're on the unequal playing field at that point. And to choose to be disarmed is a dangerous proposition. And, and not only to choose to be disarmed, but to announce to the world that you are a disarmed, uh, you know, female on a college campus by strapping a dildo on the back of your backpack <laughs> is extremely dangerous. I mean, I can't think of a more dangerous way to announce that you are unarmed and you are, you know, an easy victim, an easy target. So I thought this is just way too easy to, you know, refute. And it's really easy to play out in reality in a YouTube video. And so that was the whole premise. And that was the whole idea behind the video was to just take their idea and play it out in real life and um you know just to show the world how ludicrous it actually is and, well, and that's one thing i don't understand is almost every one of these you know cocks not glocks is is female a gun is the ultimate equalizer against a male for a female you know i mean we just talked about haruka well i mean just a few days ago down at texas state university there was a woman that was sexually assaulted down there I don't know her age. They haven't done all that stuff. But if she had had a gun or maybe if somebody had had a gun that was around, maybe that wouldn't have happened. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah you make a good point. I mean, the most most of the, the counter argument that I've received is that guns will not prevent a sexual assault or a violent crime 100 percent of the time. So therefore, we should just disarm everybody. And I'm saying, OK, even if it prevents a violent crime 20 percent of the time. 5% of the time, 1% of the time, at least it gives you a fighting chance, okay? And so it seems like the other side has just conceded to the criminals and said, hey, we can't prevent your crime 100% of the time without, you know, accidents or fatalities or negligent discharges. So guess what? We just want to take all the guns from all the law-abiding citizens, empower all the criminals on the street who are not going to follow the law, and just let them run wild. Yeah, they always so say that we'll get shot with them. absolutely no sense. If you have any logic and you follow this idea to the logical conclusion, you will find that you are just going to be a sitting duck a sitting target, a victim to a 
criminal who's going to take advantage of the path of least resistance. And so it's just so ludicrous to me, and I can't follow their logic. And so the minute that they start conspiring against my rights, that's when I start fighting back. Well, obviously they can't... uh address their own logic because they are too afraid to call in or show up or be a part of this conversation. So obviously they have issues. And we know they're listening. And yeah, we, that's why I'm saying this. Say her name, Huruka Weiser. You can, go ahead and, you can go ahead and call in. Don't be scared. <laughs> have a backbone and back up your stance. I mean, we're back up our stance. They don't have a stance. They, don't, they can't. We won't shoot you because we're law-abiding citizens, you know. So. They can't debate yeah, the issue at all. Exactly. That was one of the things. Um, the biggest backlash that I got from this video was that they thought the video was actually based on a person, a, a real physical person, Ana Lopez. And to be honest, I hadn't heard Ana Lopez's name before I, I shot the video. Never even saw her face. Unless, unless Anna Lopez identifies herself as being white. I don't know what she identifies as. I mean, these leftists, and, I mean, they identify as gender, race, She's or fluid. So it's hard to say. But I, I was accused of, of casting this role to specifically portray her. And so she was telling the media the minute this video came out that this, this was a threat against her life. And so, You know what? And I call I call bull. You know what? I mean, she always ta- she's, she's been saying that a lot, that she's had these threats here, these threats there. But you know what? Miss Anna Lopez, if you've had a threat, you know what? File a police report. File one police report. Back that stuff up. Show some evidence. Let's see something. I want to, you know, if you if you claim that someone's threatened your life, someone's called you and done something, then file a police report. If not, then shut up. You're just using that as an excuse. Yeah, they said that they actually did follow a police report or a complaint to them to the to one of the police departments down there, and I actually made a public information request to find out more about those complaints. And so far, they've came back with no records that are relevant to my request. Exactly, because so, they're a bunch of liars. Yeah, I'm thinking it's either uh, miscommunication or they didn't actually file the report. They've also said they've contacted the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, which is another you know race baiting. Uh, anti-freedom organization that they're going to try and you know file a lawsuit against me which actually that would just bring more attention to my cause more attention to logic and reason i'm all for it and so uh like you like you kind of alluded to earlier all of this is feeding into a sequel okay uh we plan to release a series of videos that mirror real life and take the lunacy of the left and their ideas and we're going to play them out Okay, we're going to play them out in real life. We're going to we're going to come up with real scenarios um, and, and use their logic. Okay, we're going to take their ideas and play them out in real life and see how it works out and, and play them out on YouTube. And we're going to let the 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 internet and and the world decide, you know, who actually stands on solid ground with these issues. And maybe just maybe. You'll get to meet Shannon Watts, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that was her, epic, boys. man. Never met her. <laughs> that was so epic when that, in that video. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. We're going to go viral. Like, oh, my God. We might get to meet Shannon Watts. Oh, my God. We're going to go viral. Like, we're all over the news and everywhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> I like getting to meet Obama. Yay. <laughs> oh, man, I tell you. We really did have a lot of fun filming oh. the video because uh, we just knew that it was so insane. I mean, the their their whole idea of cocksnuck locks and carrying sex toys instead of defense weapons, we just knew that it was just such a home run. I mean, nobody in their right mind would say that, yes, I'd be, I'd want to willingly be, be disarmed, not only be disarmed, but announce it to the world by carrying a sex toy. I mean, it makes no sense whatsoever. And so and the um, only thing they're doing is they're giving these uh, ladies this false sense of security and they're making them victims. Yeah, you know, they're by doing that. And, 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 and just like you said, you know, you put that on your backpack, you're making yourself a target, big, huge mm-hmm. target. I'm the one that's not. It's, you might as well put a sign and, in your front yard. And they're protesting a dozen people. I mean, seriously, about a dozen people on UT Austin campus are probably carrying I mean, mathematically, statistically speaking, that's probably about the number, maybe 20. And obviously, we'd love to see that number go up. We'd love to see, you know, the pistol age go down. I'm I'm for complete freedom in that regard. But you're right. They're protesting a very, very small minority as it is. 
Um, but uh, yeah, you don't never just, know who is. <laughs> That's right, the best part right. about it. And guess you know, guys, I'm okay if they want to be disarmed and they want to tell the world that they want to be disarmed. I'm fine with that. They'll have to deal with those consequences. Mm. But mm-hmm. that's not where it stops. They're partnering with Moms Demand Action, other lobbyist groups to basically come after my right and your rights and everybody, all the other Texans' rights to carry guns wherever they see fit. And that's where I have a problem. And that's where, you know, I I was, you know, basically, um, you know, created the video and came up with the ideas and that's that's where I got the motivation. And I got another um, idea for your your one of your other sequels sure. after the next sequel. Uh, we're going to do a, a dildo buyback program. We're going to offer 10 <laughs> bucks to everyone that turns in their, their dildos, whether they're used or not. We're going to have the hazmat team out there with gloves and so we'll make sure that we dispose of them properly and we're going to offer you 10 bucks for your dildos and maybe for the large ones, the big black, huge black ones, we'll give you a little more. Get the environmentalists on your side. They'll come out, they'll come out and help you. <laughs> yeah, the so, environmentalists. So you're going to be offering more for the high capacity dildos? Yes, I'm going to be offering more for the high capacity black dildos. The black ones, okay. Yes. Just the I black like ones? I see. I yeah, see. just the black ones. That's racist. Yes, I, like I am. I'm racist. That's right. racist <laughs> against, <laughs> that's we, racist we against to, them. We may have to work that story in. Against like the purple Absolutely. dildos. So, so that way, you know, we're, hopefully they'll go out and, and use that to purchase, you know, uh, some pepper spray, firearm, or whatever to uh, pocket knife. I mean, yeah, so we'll see. So maybe that's an idea for your sequel. I like it. <laughs> All right, Brett. So tell me, where can we find uh, more? Because you actually rewrite a lot. You do a lot of videos. Where can people find you? Yeah, probably the best place to find me is on YouTube. Uh, it's YouTube.com slash Brett Sanders. I also do a little bit of writing and, and you know investigative journalist work on BrettSanders.me. Uh, I'm also on the social networks as Brett Sanders. I'm real easy to find and, and easy to contact. So, uh yeah, feel free to reach out. All right, awesome. Man, I'll tell you what, Brett, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Uh, uh, the short film, Never Met Her, definitely check that out on our Facebook page there. I think we're up to like 8,000 views in that in just 24 hours or so. Uh, so definitely check that out, uh, Never Met Her, and gives you an idea of what's going on with this, uh, how it could possibly play out with this Cox Not Glock protest or counter-protest that they're doing at the University of Texas. Thanks a lot, guys, and uh, carry on. All right. Thank you, Brett. You have a wonderful rest of your weekend. You too. All right. And we're going to go to another break here, our last break. And we come back, we're going to finish up the show. I hope everyone's enjoying their day. It's a beautiful day in Austin, Texas, baby. Yeah. Uh, UT won their second game. What? We're undefeated. University of Texas, Longhorns, baby, undefeated. What do you think about that, huh? 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 Anyway, oh, yeah. I, I, also, I, for the coach, I'm, I'm just, you know, man, it's like, man, he's got to hang in there and win another game dude, because they just I don't, fire I don't him. Have, don't. I don't have cable, so I don't watch, oh, <laughs> I don't okay. watch we, football. All man. right, we come back. We got to talk about that. <laughs> this is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. on the war and you're listening to come and talk it with michael cargill welcome back to come and talk it and now here's michael cargill all right so ut pulled it off this weekend they're two and oh so yay oh come on now two and oh that's awesome I, I, the right. coach he needs this so is AM. and ms two and oh also oh are they Okay, we'll see what happens. Yay. Yeah, well. Now, I want those two teams to play, and I'll watch that game. Who's playing next weekend? Not UT and A&M. Oh. So, <laughs> who cares? Okay, all right. So, we'll see. That's okay. As long as, they bad. Keep, as, long as UT keeps this up, I think, I think it's going to be good. You know, if we can get, you know, 5-0, and oh, man, we're, we're doing great. Uh, my problem is, is this this whole town, man, they just – he loses one game. Fire him. Fire him. He wins the next game. We love this guy next week. Fire his ass. Get rid of him. We hate that guy. He sucks. Next week. Oh, I love that man. He is great. I will hump his leg. He can give my babies. I love him. Next week. I can't stand that guy. He just sucks so bad. Why did they hire him? I mean, seriously, man. Come on. 
Am I wrong? They did it to Mac Brown. They're doing it. To it's just the city, man. Come on. That's okay. He's he's hanging in there. He's doing good. He's doing and they're good. the reason why this town will never get a professional sports team. We get stuck with all the AAA crap. Oh man, I don't think Austin's can handle a professional sports team. No, because UT is too much too, traffic, too too dramatic. Could <laughs> uh, you imagine a UT football game, or pro football game, or pro basketball game, or something like that? Uh, you know, you'd see man, mass, on the you, same day. Talk about mass shootings. You'd see mass shootings on I thirty five. Oh no, <laughs> no, no, no! Say it's not so. Yeah, I, I, they, they're they're never going to do anything about traffic in this town. No. We can talk about it too. We're blue in the face. Oh, isn't, isn't, isn't Adler uh, proposing another rail? Uh, yeah, you know what's going to happen with that? They're going to take up some lanes in order to build that rail. they got to get rid of oh, driving yeah, lanes. Because we're going to go over there to ride the rail. Come on now. People uh, want to drive uh -huh. their cars. They don't want a stinking we're rail. We're Texans, man. We're not New York City. Screw New Yorkers. We're Texas. So, yeah, I, I, I can't Straight see up. Texans getting on the train and, and, mm. and going, you know, you want to jump. Rely on somebody else to get you from point A to point. No, I'll get myself from point A to point B. Thank you. Right. That's right. just how I am. Just open up some lanes. Add another upper deck. Yeah, right. Hey. That'll or make the toll roads free. Oh, the, there's a thought. They've already been paid for. <laughs> Who would have ever thought that? That's crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> just uh, widen them up a little bit. Just breathe. Oh, my God. Free tolls. Whoa. <laughs> just blow my mind. Yeah, that's the city of Austin, though. That's your that's your elected officials, the people we put in office there. Yay. Hey, I don't live in the city. I can't vote, man. Don't blame that one on me. Mm. <laughs> I tell those people in East Austin, whenever going to East Austin, I say, okay, you know, you guys are complaining about this. You're complaining about that. But you're putting the same people in office, the exact same people. You know, when you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you know, we, we, we have Isn't a word it too late to register now to vote for this current election. Yeah. I'm not, that I'm not sure. I think it's too late to register. I think it just passed. Yeah. You're less than 30 days away. If we're less than 30 days away, then I think it is. Oh, no. You still got some time then. But I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Uh, All right. Who knows? I tell you, well, it was a good show today. Uh, man, it was great having uh, our guests from Ohio on the show talking about the different things. It's nice to talk to other instructors that you know that you're you're teaching the exact same thing that other instructors are teaching. So I, I kind of really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed learning from other people as well, you know, just by listening to them. So I, I'm, I'm glad we got a chance well, to talk with him. I like that he didn't advocate just straight firearms, just pull your gun all the time and shoot, shoot, shoot. He no, that, was, that gun should be your very last option. Yeah, I like that he advocated that. Yeah, because there are other options you should try, you know, and, and most, the majority of situations that you're going to face. Run, Forrest, run. Absolutely. Uh, that gun should be your very last option because when you pull that gun out, your, your life is definitely going to change. Your life will definitely change. All right, so that is it for today. I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their weekend. Uh, enjoy this week. Looks like it's not going to rain. It's going to be beautiful out there. So definitely be safe. Uh, keep the sails up. Try to, you know, don't drown at the lake. If it does rain, drive around, don't drown. And as always, more guns equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talking with Michael Cargill. I'll take my gun. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.